It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome into Locked On Knicks. Alex Wolf here, and I am joined once again by Spencer Perlman for the second part of our post-lotto conversation, breaking down the Knicks' options for pick eight and what this means for them now. You know, what what could potentially be available for them with that pick. Uh, today, we go into a hotly contested debate of Devin Vassell versus Isaac Okoro, two defensive-minded wings that the Knicks could take a look at. Uh, I confirm my biases about Obi Toppin with Spencer and his uh, fit potentially with the Knicks. And then we talk about Tyrese Halliburton and Kyra Lewis, a couple guards that have very different trajectories potentially in the NBA. One, an extremely safe bet. The other, a guy that definitely needs to work on some skills but has probably higher upside long-term as a as a facilitator and a creator and a finisher and all those things you look for in a lead guard in the NBA. So Spencer and I will get into that all next on Locked on Knicks. And also as a reminder, check out the strict.land if you have not already. It is the new website home of Locked on Knicks. We'll be posting all the episodes there in an easy to find place uh, for anybody interested. And, you know, will still be available on every streaming service that you previously use. But it's just another home for Locked on Knicks and some other amazing Knicks content. And spoiler, I'm the editor-in-chief of the site, so I have a little bit of an interest in this. (laughs) But anyway, I will be right back with Spencer after this break. You are Locked On Knicks, your daily New York Knicks podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And I think we see Willis coming out. There he comes right now. guys that I think there's a real chance could be in play for the Knicks and and two guys that seem to be typecast similarly um but people have their opinions one way or the other about which one is better uh Isaac Okoro versus Devin Vassell definitely two guys that could realistically be available at the number eight overall pick um I'm sure that maybe one of them will have some fans uh, ahead of the Knicks and maybe get selected, but there's a decent chance that both could be available at that spot. Do you have a preference one way or the other as far as Vassell and Okorio are concerned? Both like they're both, you know, in the six 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 seven range, but seem pretty pretty rangy uh, as defenders and whatever. Okoro, I think you could argue as a little more of an NBA body to potentially be like a small ball four early on, whereas Vassell probably projects as more of a two to three. Uh, but 
both have really good defensive reputations. Okoro is a little more questionable with his jump shot, whereas Vassell is considered to be pretty much a lock to be a decent NBA three-point shooter. But what's your what's your opinion on those two guys as far as uh, one versus the other? So I think Vassell is definitely safer. Um, you know, as you said, the shot's definitely more concrete and it's more easily projectable than um, than Okoro's. Um, and then on top of that, he he's one of the two best team defenders I've seen um, in college. Just kind of like period, both him and Mikhail are you know the two guys who immediately um, come into my head. But Okoro, I think like, he he's an awesome team defender in his own right. Um, in addition, he's a fantastic man-to-man defender who spent time this year guarding positions one through four. Um, you know, like the first half of the Alabama game, he, I think he pretty much shut down Kyra. Um, I think I haven't seen that game in, you know, a couple months, but I remember being super impressed. The second half, I don't think was as good. Um, but I, like, I would trust him on quicker players just because Vassell's like his impact is on team defense. He's not a good man to man defender. And obviously team defense means a lot more than, man-to-man defense, which I think many people just kind of forget and or they just choose to accept. Um, but, you know, th- th- there are different types of defenders with different types of strengths. Um, and then offensively, you know, Vassell, he's definitely the better shooter. Um, I think that's kind of it. Um, you know, Vassell, like, he has to first up his three-point rate. Um he wasn't particularly high volume. And I think for him to really be a positive impact player on offense, he's going to have to significantly increase it to where it's, you know, if he's taking six, uh, 10 shots from three, you want him to at least be taking like five or six of them from three. Um, sorry, five, 10 shots during the game, five or six of them from three. Um, whereas Okoro, like he's, he's a significantly better finisher. I'm not saying that Vassell is a bad finisher, just Okoro is elite. Um, and then when it comes to passing, Okoro, I think, easily takes this. Um, you know, he he didn't really get that many on-ball opportunities this year. But when he did, he had some, like, crazy good flashes. Um, it really just kind of depends, you know, are you willing to roll the dice in the shot? Um, and potentially get someone who's a very, very, very good team defender and a much better offensive player? Or do you want to just kind of, like, take the safer guy and project someone who could potentially be, you know, that Mikel Bridges, although he's nowhere near as long as Mikel, um, type of, you know, team defender three and D kind of guy. Like I personally would take a Coro. Um, I don't know, you know, where the Knicks stand. I don't really know where many other people stand, uh, but I'd be willing to roll the dice in the shot because the footwork off the bounce is there. And because the touch in the paint is so good. And his form, while definitely not great, it's not, you know, Michael Kid Gilchrist broken. And I think there's definitely a strong possibility that he ends up, you know, 35% from three um, on, you know, two or three attempts a game, maybe. Uh, yeah, probably like two or three attempts a game, probably three. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's certainly something to think about between those two. I think it just... To your point, it kind of depends on what you're going to value more, too. You know, if you want that team defense, extra switchable guy, which maybe Tibbs would be into that. 
because mm-hmm. we, we got to remember he's going to have some input in this pick as well. Um, you know, if that's a guy that he pegs as like, yeah, you know what, like, you want this defense to be a freaking defense, like, get us, get me a Coro and like, we'll, we'll make this work, you know, between him, RJ, Frank Nilakina, you know, Mitchell Robinson, like, we can, we could do some stuff on defense. Um, or, you know, they might look at Vassell and he might say the same thing of like, nah, you know, we could really use someone that can just defend the wing better, maybe a little better individual defender and definitely someone that shoots the three and maybe go that direction. I don't think I'd be mad with either one of them, but they're, again, it's both those guys feel like super safe picks to me. And I just, yeah, I'm having a hard time putting safe and Leon Rose in the same sentence for this first draft. I just feel like he wants to do something. Um, mm-hmm. And that's just the impression that like all the reporting has made it seem like. Granted, they may draft and then figure out something. Also, it's that's not unprecedented in the NBA to just kind of see the draft through, see if you can make whatever draft night trades, and then immediately make it known like, hey, this player we just took is available if you're interested. <laughs> you know, like we'll figure it out. Um, but it it works a little better to be able to trade the pick so that the other team can make their decision first. But I guess we'll see. Start your morning with the news that matters in just 10 minutes. Axios Today host Nyla Boodoo and a team of award-winning journalists will bring you the latest analysis and insight into the trends shaping our world. And let me tell you all a little bit about DoorDash. DoorDash has been a lifesaver for me uh, during COVID because going to restaurants, not really on the table right now. You know, there's some outdoor dining by me, but... If you're like me, I still don't fully feel 100% comfortable with it. So I, I would much prefer to get delivery. And I still want to support my local restaurants. You know, like that's really important to me because I love some of these restaurants. I've been going to them for years. And just because I can't go there in person doesn't mean that they should, you know, have to suffer to the point of potentially going out of business. And that's where DoorDash comes in. It's been fantastic. Uh, I live in a pretty pretty sub-rural area, I'd say. Uh, So these apps take a long time to get out here. It's still pretty hard to catch an Uber by me uh, and things of that nature. But DoorDash is here and it's super reliable, you know, so I can speak from from a less populous area. DoorDash is still incredibly reliable with their service and their ability to get you food fast and from all the restaurants you love the most. Uh, DoorDash is an app that brings you the food you're craving right now, right to your door. And ordering is super easy. If you open the DoorDash app, just choose what you want to eat, and your food will be left safely outside your door with contactless delivery drop-off, which is honestly really nice. You know, as I said, I still feel a little nervous about the whole, you know, in-person thing right now with people that I'm not familiar with. So it's, it's good to be able to add the option to just have your food left right outside your door. Doorbell rang, and then, you know, they're on their way. And with over 300,000 partners in the U.S., Puerto Rico, Canada, and Australia, you could support your local go-tos or choose from your favorite national restaurants like Chipotle, Wendy's, and the Cheesecake Factory. Or speaking personally for my town, our one national chain is a McDonald's. So I can order from McDonald's if I really want that McMuffin in the morning. Uh, Many of your favorite local restaurants, too, are still open for delivery. So just open the DoorDash app, select your favorite local restaurant, and your food will be left at your door. Right now, our listeners can get $5 off and zero delivery fees on their first order of $15 or more when you download the DoorDash app and enter code LOCKEDONNBA. Again, that's $5 off your order and zero delivery fees on your first order 
when you download the DoorDash app in the App Store and enter code LOCKEDONNBA. Don't forget, that's code LOCKEDONNBA for $5 off your first order with DoorDash. No matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax experts make them count. Did you say no to a big wedding and elope at the county courthouse? That's a move. Did you go back to school to get your degree? That's a move. Did you relocate for a fresh start? Well, that's literally a move. Maybe you moved into a houseboat instead of a house house, or switched gears from rideshare driving to video game streaming, or you rode the stock market to the moon and back. TurboTax experts make all your moves count, getting you every credit and deduction you deserve. They'll file with 100% accuracy and get you your max refund guaranteed. So, Switch to TurboTax. Make your moves. They'll make them count. See guarantee details at TurboTax.com guarantees. Experts only available with TurboTax Live. I'm going to bring up a player right now that I know, I know exactly how you feel about him. I know exactly how I feel about him. But I just want to kind of confirm my biases and remind people of what you said about him a couple months ago when we had you on. Mm-hmm. Uh, if Obi Toppin makes it to the Knicks... Talk, you know, I won't say talk me out of him, but tell me, tell me your thoughts on him again and tell everybody your thoughts on him again, just because I don't know if people realize, I mean, I've seen a lot of people really campaigning for him being like, I think he, he would be great. He'd be this, he'd be that. And I just can't help but keep thinking like, do you really want to sign up for like a worse Julius Randle after spending a whole season complaining about Julius Randle? Like, do you really think he's got that much room to grow? Like he's, he's only really like, I think he's only about three and a half years younger than Julius Randle too. Yeah. (laughs) Um, And Randle's been in the league for five, six years, something like that. Um, Six years now, I think. So yeah, I mean, just uh, let's, Let's talk about Obi Toppin for a moment. Just give me your thoughts on the potential. If he's there when the Knicks are picking, what do you think about him? All right. Um, so, I mean, I I wouldn't do it. Um, just straight up, I wouldn't take him at eight. Um, to me, you know, like look at what Carl Anthony Towns did with Minnesota uh, this past year. And he had one of the most historically great historically efficient, most well-rounded offensive seasons of all time from any, any big, um, in history. But, you know, part of this was, I guess, due to Minnesota's roster not being very good. Minnesota did not win much. Um, and his overall impact was somewhat negated by his, I mean, pretty crap defense. So if you have somebody as good as cat on offense, but whose defense makes it so that he's not, you know, a positive, I mean, he's a positive impact player, but he's not a, a significantly enough positive impact player to, to really leave a mark. How can someone who doesn't have cats offensive skill engine ability, whatever you want to call it, why would you take him if the defense is also worse? Um, I think top in, in theory fits with Mitch on offense and I guess on defense too. Um, Actually, I take back what I said on defense because he's stuck between the four and the five um, topping. But like, if you take him, you're just kind of hoping, again, that his three-point rate goes up. Um, you're hoping that 
the passing is legit, and I think he's a fantastic passer. Um, but he's a 22-year-old sophomore who beat up guys as if he was a senior because he is the age of a senior. Um, he is six or whatever, eight months younger than John Collins. And that's actually, like, I think he's a worse, I think he's going to be a potentially worse shooting, better passing John Collins, who doesn't have Collins's switchability or like, you know, quick, quick twitch lateral athleticism because Toppin moves from east to west like he's stuck in mud. Um, I wouldn't, I wouldn't do it. Like, you know, if you put Toppin in a system that can completely hide him on defense, which I think you can do for guards more than you can for bigs because bigs are the back lines of defense and they need to, you know, they're the rim protectors. They're calling everything out. Toppin did none of that at Dayton. Um, I, I, I guess then you could take him, um, you know, seeing him in Golden State, that would be cool because they have Draymond Green, they have good defenders around him. But with the Knicks, like, no, um, I just, <laughs> I wouldn't. Um, plus, like, he's a power forward. They have Randall, who apparently they're trying to trade. They have Bobby Portis, although he has the team option. Um, and I kind of think that Toppin would drive Tibbs nuts. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I just I, I would stay away from him. Not like I, yeah. I think Toppin can be a fine NBA player offensively, but the defensive concerns like worry the hell out of me because you know Bagley had the similar concerns, but he was a much much better athlete and similar concerns that he's like a four and a half. Dayton, Dayton, Toppin is a four and a half, but like even more of a five in the body of a four, and he's not long either. Like I feel like no one talks about this. Higgs wingspan is below average for a power forward. His standing reach is, I think, less than Denny's. Like, <laughs> what is that? Yeah, that's uh, that's saying something. I mean, yeah, he's six foot nine, so it's you know, but he doesn't look long either. I mean, I'm not. I honestly hadn't even looked up his wingspan I'll, I'll pull that up. or anything. But pull it up. Yeah, I'm not surprised to hear that he's he's not plus in the wingspan department. Um, also, to your point, he, I, I think. If Tibbs has input in this pick, I don't think he would ever be the selection because he doesn't. Right. Go ahead. Sorry, I got it. Uh, no, no, no you cool. finish. You finish. I was I was just buying time while you looked it up. So okay. let's let's hear that wingspan measurement real quick. Then I'll finish up. <laughs> six six ten and a half. Now to put that into perspective, he is so it's eighty two and a half inches. He's eighty one inches tall. That's it. Josh yeah. Green six six wing. His wingspan's eighty two inches. Aaron Neesmith, 82 inches. Sadiq Bey, 83. Denny Avdia, 81.8. Coro, 82. So his wingspan is more in line with a wing than it is with a big. That's Yeah, I mean, no for thing. perspective, too, like Frank Nilakina has like a seven foot one wingspan. Oh, yeah. <laughs> As a guard, you know? Yep. So, yeah, it's, it's not, not great, particularly because wingspan is something that you really look for from bigs now, I think, yep. in, the, in like the. What do I, what do we want to call it? The uh, biomechanics era. I don't know. <laughs> Whatever we want to call this, where we put a lot into measurables, and I I think it actually there is something to be said a lot of times for that plus wingspan, especially with bigs, uh, and especially with undersized bigs, which Toppin is. Like the only reason that Draymond Green, I think, is able to play 
the five and be such an effective defender is because he's got he's like about that height, about six nine, but he's got like what a seven one seven two wingspan, something like that. He, he's um, smaller, but it, it's the IQ and like I yeah. think there are ways around the wingspan. So I think Denny, you know, if you play him at the four, he'll get around it because he's such a smart defender and mm-hmm. he tries really hard. And Toppin does not. And oh yeah, I mean to be clear, I'm not implying like if Toppin had a seven foot five wingspan that he'd suddenly become a good defender, but it certainly helps. Right, <laughs> right, right. So, yeah, um, yeah. I I just don't. I, the point I was going to say a second ago was I he doesn't seem like a Tibbs player to me at all. Like I feel like if Tibbs has any input in this, he'd be like, hell no, keep him away from me because Tibbs I think is just well. So the one big that he had like that was cat and they apparently clashed oh, I, was, I was thinking um, boozer <laughs> oh yeah that's true he had boozer as well i do forget about that so he had boozer as well and gasol and all those guys mm-hmm. are the guys that he sort of clashed with as a coach probably because they didn't mm-hmm. want to defend and he wanted them to defend and the guys that he's gotten along exceedingly well with were like maniacs like joe noah um you know he got along well with taj gibson obviously who was just i mean we've had the pleasure yeah. of seeing him on the Knicks this year. Okay. Uh, it's just, you know, just defends, 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 and that's it. And, uh, yeah, I, I certainly think... And the only way I could see them going for Toppin is, again, if we're talking about just, like, a splash pick. Because, like, he... I I didn't pay attention to the college awards. He did wind up winning Player of the Year, right? I think so. Yeah, I I think he wound up winning it. So, you know, the, then you can sell to, your, sell to your fan, oh, yeah, he was the Player of the Year in college, blah, blah, blah. Like... In a season that ultimately didn't matter. Like of all years, it probably matters the least this year of almost any year. <laughs> mm-hmm. Just because we never saw anything play out. We never got to actually see the tournament or anything to see like how much that really meant. Uh, right. Although we've seen plenty of players of the year lose in the tournament, sometimes very early on too. Um, but yeah, I, I just don't really see it. I did just, mostly I just wanted to confirm my biases and thank you for doing that real quick. Um The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late-season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up-to-date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm trying to think of any other players potentially. I mean, I guess we could talk, maybe talk about Halliburton. I know I've seen Halliburton with a lot of buzz for the top however many picks as well. I mean, there's certainly a number of teams before the Knicks here that presumably would be looking to contend in some way sooner than later, but also might be, I mean, this might be one of those opportunities where it would be advantageous for the Knicks to be able to trade up. Mm -hmm. Um, But it it would also be kind of weird. Like Halliburton is just such a weird, weird diagnosis to me, I guess, as far as where he's going to go, because some people say like, he's a championship player. He's going to be one of those players that can like take one of these teams. That's already, good or already has a good foundation and like put them over the top and like when i see that i think of like golden state you know thinking right yeah you know that would be kind of like trying their experiment that they did with 
with D'Lo and Curry, except, you know, Halliburton uh, is actually the right, you know, second quote-unquote point guard to put next to Curry in the sense that he wouldn't need the ball a ton, but he's a really great passer and a really good three-point shooter um, mm. and could potentially be that perfect guy to put in there. But I, I also can't really see them taking a stab on him at two because um, right. that just seems like a reach. So I, if he's there for the Knicks, I wonder what they're going to think. And I do think, I think if Halliburton does make it to the Knicks, that could be potentially that perfect opening to trade down and try to get some team like, you know, like the Spurs, like the Suns, like the Kings, you know, teams that have higher aspirations in the near term to trade up and try to get someone that's going to help them right now in Halliburton. But I, I don't know. I mean, I don't know what your opinion is on him as far as a Knicks type fit. I think he would fit in just fine because I think he'd fit in fine on pretty much every team. But I, I don't know right. that he would be that upside pick for the Knicks to make. Yeah. Um, I mean, I guess just quickly another team that would fit that actually has another first round pick and then early second round pick would be the Wolves. Um, they have 33 and then they have a, uh, 17 and I wouldn't trade eight for 17 and 33. I would ask to get more, but um, if you could, I, I think that's a potential option. Um, I, I personally don't like the fit with, uh, with the Knicks because the Knicks need someone who can get into the paint, um, who can really kind of be like, if you're drafting a point guard, you want someone who can, who can create looks for other people, which Halliburton can do. But if you're playing him in drop coverage, and I have been screaming this on every podcast I've been on, you know, over the last couple months, you, if, like if you're playing drop coverage on him, and if you have every other defender just kind of staying home, you completely shut down that offense because Halliburton has no pull up jump shot. And I think because of his funky form, the odds of him ever developing one or at least a, a reliable one are slim to none. Um, and if you play the big far enough back, which I think you would 100% do, Halliburton's not going to attack the paint either. Um, he'll, you know, maybe he'll go for like, you know, I mean, yeah, he'll probably go for like a little baby floater um, and just kind of be done with it. Um, he, he's not going to put pressure on the rim. You know, he's not creating much for himself, which obviously you don't need your point guard to do. But if you're having somebody playing next to RJ, who's, not the most quick twitch athlete ideally you'd get someone who would fit that mold um but i mean if you have if you have someone like that sure um like why not take them i just i don't think the fit with the knicks is is great um but i mean he's a very good team defender his footwork apparently has gotten better in isolation man-to-man stuff like that so um at least since the college season ended so i mean that's good um but the offense that scares me. Um, yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, I think I've pretty much run out of guys that I had thought of to talk about. Um, is there anyone else that is on your mind potentially after the Knicks ending up on the eighth pick that we haven't talked yeah. about already? Kyra. Um, oh, Kyra, Kyra. Yeah. I forgot to Kyra's. even bring him up. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so what? What about Kyra? I mean, he's he's another one that I. It seemed like he was rising for a minute, mm-hmm. and now most of the time I'm seeing him more in the twenty range. So that's another potential trade down candidate that I probably should have mentioned when I was talking about Poku and and Williams. But yeah, what do you what do you think about Kyra? Even at the eight spot, potentially. 
I, I don't think he falls. Um, you know, a couple months ago, I heard that he was his range was eight to twenty. Um, I think it's still eight to whatever. If anything, it's it's moved up. Um, yeah. Um, so I think that's good. Um, I got I got a, a work email even though I'm on PTO. Um, I think the fit's great. Like, I think he's exactly what you'd want next to RJ. Um, I think he'd do a fantastic job getting into the paint collapse and the defense and kicking it out to shooters um, that or I guess, guys standing on the perimeter who could potentially shoot. Um, and then defensively, he's a legitimately good um, point of attack defender. Um, if he does get screened off, he does a good job getting back into the play. He's, you know, he's on the thinner side. Um, but he's also still really young. Like he's almost, I think a year younger than Cole and he was just a sophomore. Um, you know, just a few months younger than you know, LaMelo and Killian, those guys. Um, I, I, I think he'd be a perfect fit. And then if you could actually get, you know, that point guard who could show him the ropes a little bit, um, like even better, but I think the fit next to RJ, I think the fit in terms of what the Knicks are looking for is perfect. Um, you know, not getting too far ahead of myself, but I think next, if you're looking at next year's draft also, he's someone who would fit with the top guys in the draft, whether it's, you know, Cade or, you know, whoever else, Jalen or Jalen um, or Jalen. <laughs> <laughs> um, A lot like, of Jalen's so, next year. Yeah. Um, he'll fit with all of them. And like, you obviously don't take someone on the draft for a future draft, you take them um, for you know what you think about them in the current you know, draft and just your general views on them. But I think like that's noteworthy. Um, but he should be there at eight, and if he's there, and if I'm you know debating between him and um, Maxi or Halliburton or you know Vassell, I'm taking I'm taking Lewis, and I'm not really thinking twice about it. Yeah, I think underreported with him is just how young he is as a sophomore. Like, as a sophomore, he's younger than a large number of freshmen that are coming out in this draft. Like, so it's, I think it's definitely worth considering the fact that he's got a lot of room to grow despite having two years of college under his belt. Like, I think he showed a pretty good amount of growth his second year. Mm -hmm. Uh, and, and and, And that makes you think you know, sky's the limit, you know, when you see guys like that, that can improve in college like that, you know, just be like, okay, well, uh, particularly at a good program, it's not like he was, it's not like Alabama's a powerhouse, but they do play in the SEC, so you know the competition levels there and everything. Uh, yep. Yeah. And he like, played in an NBA system, too. Like, they, yeah, they spread the court for him. They run mm-hmm. a lot of pick and rolls. They didn't want him taking pull-up jump shots, which is why his his finishing at the rim is kind of skewed towards the lower end. Um, but in terms of just kind of coming in and being able to, like, I think he'd actually be able to play pretty heavy minutes on day one. Um, and again, a type of point guard who fits Tibbs' offensive system with many pick and rolls getting into the paint. I think he's, I think he's a great fit. Yeah. All right. Well, I think that's a good note to wrap up on a nice sort of sleeper, semi-sleeper pick here. Uh, so Spencer, do you have anything to promote? Uh, do you want to tell people where to find you online? All that good stuff? Yep. Um, I unfortunately don't have anything new to promote. 
but all of my stuff is at the Stepien. Um, I'm on Twitter at SK Perlman. And I mean, we have another two and a half months or potentially three plus months until the draft, depending on uh, if it's in October or November now. So I'll definitely, you know, well, at least I'll hopefully be continuing to post a lot of content. Cool. All right. Well, thanks so much for coming on, Spencer. Really appreciate it. And uh, hopefully we'll talk again soon, sometime before the draft. Sounds good, man. Take care. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.